You're listening to the Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherastro.org. Hello and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine and I'm the lead pastor. We're so honored to have you with us. If it's your first time, I just want to thank you for tuning in. If you want to know more about who we are, fill out a Connect card and you can talk to one of our staff members. Or if you're looking for real community and want to meet a few people, you can go look at our catalog of life groups at gatherashville.org and find one near you. I just want to celebrate for a moment because we wrapped up last weekend a month-long serve initiative we called Serve Days and had the opportunity to really bless our city. We gave away over 100 bags of groceries to families in need. You came and picked up 60 bags to give away to people with needs, and we were able to give away an additional 40 bags to people driving by who stopped by to see what we were doing. On top of that, we partnered with Mana Food Bank to give away 2,000 meals to families in our community who have immediate needs. The following week, we passed out 90 Chick-fil-A lunches to some of you, as well as anyone who came by, and we gave an additional 60 lunches away to three different fire departments and one police department. Then last weekend, we had a couple dozen volunteers serving at nine different projects around our city, just helping each other out. You know, as a church, we try to find a balance between helping out one another and helping those outside our family. The reality is there are needs both inside and outside of our church. And in this season, and we feel compelled to be able to help those inside our church the way we would help our own family members in hard seasons. And we feel compelled to help those outside our church the same way we would help our neighbors when their needs overwhelm them. So through these partnerships, along with donating thousands of dollars to local organizations who are making an impact in our community, You've made a big difference during this time. So thank you so much to everyone who was a part of that serve month, those serve days. It was such an incredible thing to see happen, and and I'm grateful for you. Well, today we're starting a brand new series, Toxic. 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 We're living in some toxic times, partly because there's a dangerous virus out there that we don't really understand that threatens our health, but... Also, because the longer this has gone on, the more conflict has resulted from it and the more toxic life has become for us. We are living in toxic cultures and we're trapped in toxic relationships. And as a result, even our own minds have gotten toxic in this moment. My goal in this series is to help you detox this moment and live with a healthy culture, healthy relationships, and a healthy heart and mind in this toxic season. Today we're talking about toxic culture. Culture. There's a lot of talk about culture these days, and we use this word often, but let me define it for you. Culture is the feeling a place or a people give you. It's the perceived values, wants, Needs and feelings of that place or people collected into almost a tangible notion about who and what that place or people are all about. Every group of people has a culture. And if you aren't intentional about the culture you create 
One will happen based on the current climate, and usually it's one you don't want. Sometimes it's toxic, toxic culture. Here's the cultures I see in our country right now that are toxic, toxic. Blame culture. Okay, I'm going to be careful here. Listen and hear me out. There, there is a trend right now to take every hurt, frustration, and offense and find someone to seed it on. And whoever or whatever group of people that is becomes an object of hatred, anger, and fear. I think at some point we stopped listening to one another or weighing the evidence or approaching things with a level head and we just got fed up and so frustrated that we just needed someone or some group of people to be frustrated at and with. It's a good thing to carefully identify areas of our society that need to change and then fight for and call for that change. It's toxic to generalize, hate, and blame as many people as we can on the way to a change. Next is resentment culture. We talked about this idea a couple weeks ago. Resentment culture is what happens when I decide that anyone who thinks differently than me or maybe even in opposition to what I think is my enemy and I resent them for it. Resentment culture is what happens when we decide that someone's wrong way of thinking or past mistake defines them for the rest of their lives regardless of what they're saying today. Resentment culture takes a legitimate offense, but instead of working to make things right, it writes off that person or group forever and demands revenge and retribution. This is toxic because instead of allowing us to grow through conflict, it allows us to surround ourselves only with people who think like us and look like us, and ultimately it stunts our growth. And then there's superiority culture. This is the idea that I and people like me are better than everyone else. You see this culture on both sides of the aisle. This is actually an American staple. We've built generations of superiority culture. It's toxic because eventually you believe other people's cultures, thoughts, or opinions aren't worth hearing because they are inferior. Those people are just stupid because I value what I value. I'm better than you. All of this has led to a toxic culture that breeds endless internet arguments, angry media reporting, multiple deep divides in cities, neighborhoods, and even families. This toxic culture is making us a worse version of ourselves. It's infecting our minds and causing us stress, and it often operates counter to the gospel. In fact, I believe that many of these toxic cultures operate in direct opposition to the gospel. So who are we supposed to be in this kind of world? If this is the culture that happens when we aren't cultivating one, what kind of culture should we cultivate in our church, our communities, our workplaces, our families, and anywhere else we go? Well, first, even though things seem like they're getting worse, this is the way the world has always been. People are hurting and broken and lost and searching for answers. That search often leads them down broken roads to more pain. And hurting people hurt people. And it creates this never-ending cycle. In 2 Timothy 3, it says, 
But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Hey, I'm not saying it's the end of the world, but many of the things the Bible says is true about those days near the end are happening right now and have been happening for some time. That's another series for another day. Verse 2, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. This, to me, is a pretty accurate description of the toxic cultures we see all around us right now. He goes on, have nothing to do with such people. Here's what Paul means when he writes this. Don't be one of those people. Uh, Paul was constantly around these people and bringing the gospel to these people. He's not saying isolate from them. He's not saying don't be around them. He's saying be among these people without being one of these people. That's hard because nothing spreads as easily as culture and nothing is harder to change than culture. And he goes on about this toxic culture in verse 6. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sin and swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. I think this one really rings true today. We've got more information available to us than ever before, but instead of using it to grow our perspective and understanding of others, we use it to feed our superiority over others. We use it as a weapon against others. So we're always learning, but we're never coming close to anything that would bring us satisfaction. Pick it up in verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. You know what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Paul makes a shift here saying, Listen, I know it's bad out there. I know that people are getting worse and worse. I know they're coming against you and you want to fight back. But you know what I taught you about Jesus and the way He taught us to live. You know how He told us to treat those who, to, who persecute us. You know that He warned us that we would face opposition. In fact, verse 12, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, and here's what we need to get, church, people who don't know Jesus, and even people that do, often allow their brokenness to warp the way they see the world and the way they treat others. But as for us, we continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. No matter how toxic your culture is, you have a compass to help you navigate it it's the holy written word of God. The fact is that until Jesus returns, we are going to be existing in toxic cultures. 
toxic work cultures where people use and abuse one another, toxic family environments where hurting people hurt other people, toxic political cultures where everyone who doesn't vote for what I want is my enemy and inherently evil, toxic cultures were a problem in Timothy's church and they will be a problem until Jesus returns and makes everything new. And until that happens, we are called to be in it, but not of it. We are called to follow the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of Paul, and all the other amazing things the Bible has to teach us and to create our own cultures that not only exist in this toxic world, but make it better. So here's a couple cultures that I believe we as the church are called to that are counter to the toxic cultures of this world. First is grace culture. Grace culture. Grudges are on trend these days. More and more we feel justified in bitterness, rage, anger, and hatred. When people have wronged us or even just disagreed with us, we feel like we're fully justified in not only opposing the action, but the person in a way that is deeply personal. I spoke a few weeks ago about this in a message called Choose to One Another, but let me revisit for a moment. When you are wrapped up in a toxic culture of blame, it's easy to join in with everyone else and just want someone to blame for all the bad things happening around you. I get it. But there is a difference between desiring justice and harboring bitterness. Ephesians 4 says, verse 31, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I think that's a good passage to memorize right now. When someone retaliates against you and you want to fight back, when someone hurts you and you want to hurt them, when someone offends you or opposes you and you want to treat them the same way or worse, it would be good to know that verse, wouldn't it? We are a people called to forgive. Even when the other person doesn't want to be forgiven, we're called to forgive. Even when they don't deserve forgiveness, we're called to forgive because Jesus forgave that way. Remember the image of Jesus on the cross. There's these Roman soldiers who have beaten him savagely and placed him on that cross. And while he's up there and they're mocking him and making fun of him as he dies, and then they start gambling for his clothes. And while they are doing that, and there is no indication that they will ever say they are sorry, Jesus says in Luke 23, 24, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. That's how we are supposed to respond to toxic blame culture. People who don't know Jesus don't know what they are doing. They don't have the Holy Spirit empowering them to forgive and to be kind in a world that makes that nearly impossible. And even the people who do follow Jesus but hurt us deeply without remorse, we are called to forgive them the same way Jesus forgave us. I know that's hard, especially in a season when there's a lot of hatred coming out of a, a call for justice. And maybe there's people that are genuinely involved in evil, and you hate them because you want justice for the people that they hurt. But as followers of Jesus, we're called to a different way. We should desire justice. We should fight for justice, but we shouldn't hate those who deserve it. Look at the nature of God in Exodus 34 as God describes Himself. Verse 6, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, 
slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. God is a God of justice. In fact, he demands it. It's a part of his character and his nature. The very reason Jesus had to die on a cross is because of the justice of God. But there's a dichotomy. God forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin, but He does not leave the guilty unpunished. One way or another, God always punishes sin. Justice is always served, but it belongs to Him. Romans 12, 19, Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave, the, leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will pay them back, declares the Lord. God delivers justice in two ways. Either the person never repents and they pay the penalty in death, or the wickedness, rebellion, and sin are atoned for on the cross of Jesus. So as followers of Jesus, we have to operate in equal parts truth and justice and grace and forgiveness. Hate the offense, love the offender. Fight for justice and for freedom for those who are being oppressed, but do it without hating the oppressor. I know that's counter to everything our culture does right now, but this is who we're called to be. We're also called to lead a redemption culture, a redemption culture. There's a toxic culture right now that exists that says if you did something that was evil, offensive, or hurtful at some point in the past or even recently, then who you are is evil, offensive, and hurtful forever. There's a term for it, cancel culture. It was born out of a culture of resentment. It's what happens when the bitterness from unhealed wounds is allowed to guide our thinking. I feel that as followers of Jesus, we can't be a part of that toxic culture. Because when we cancel someone for their past mistakes, we miss the opportunity to participate in and celebrate their redemption. Redemption means to be set back to your original purpose. It's so easy to fall off the path you were created to walk. Maybe someone fell way off that path and as a result they've caused pain and destruction in the world around them. We want to just write those people off and resent them forever. I get it. But there was once a time when I caused pain to a lot of people and left a, lot of path, uh, left a path of destruction all around me. But that's not me anymore. Today I'm completely transformed. I'm redeemed. I declare the words of Colossians 1.21, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. God reconciled us to Himself through Jesus without blemish and free from accusation and gave us a new direction to move in towards faith and established in the hope held out by the gospel. And He's doing it for others as well. As, church, as the church, we should be champions of the redemption culture, the testimony culture, the look at what God has done culture, the I once was lost but now I'm found culture. We all love a comeback and we all love an underdog. And so it's time to stop canceling people for the sins of their past and it's time to start leading them towards the redemption of their future. I believe God believes in consequences. I think consequences 
need to happen. Consequences for our actions and our mistakes, they grow us. They help us to become a better version of ourselves. I don't think we should excuse consequences, but I also don't think we should cancel somebody and have uh, miss out on being a part of the incredible redemption that could take place in them and through them. And finally, today, the, the last culture that I would say is followers of Jesus we need to lead people into is holy culture. Holy culture. Don't mix this up with holier-than-thou culture. That's a toxic culture. That's that superiority culture. Some of the church people were like, oh yes, I'm very good at holy culture. I'm so holy when I'm among the unholy people. No, that's not what I'm talking about. We're called to be God's holy people set apart for His purpose. Holy is a word that just means set apart. Among, but apart. 1 Peter 2.9 says, We are but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. We are in this world, but not of this world. We live in this culture, but we don't represent this culture. We are like Isaiah, made holy and then set back among the unholy. Isaiah is given a vision of the throne room of God, and he's shook by it. And in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 5, he says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and say, said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go and tell this to the people. God calls him up. And through that coal, that represents God making him holy, taking away the sin and, and the mistakes of his past, atoning for it, making him holy. And then he sends him right back out into the toxic culture he came from. Through the power of the cross, my sins are forgiven, and I'm made holy and set apart from this world. But then I am called to go right back into it to make a difference and share what I have with others. People have, are capable of so much good, so much kindness and compassion and love. We are made with the image of God inside of us, His very character. But we get all caught up in these toxic cultures. It's time to be His people and be a marvelous light in a dark world. We are in this culture, but we are not a part of it. We speak grace, redemption, and offer a chance at holiness to all those around us. We love people no matter what they've done and who they are. We fight for justice, but we also cry out for peace. We hate the offense, but we love the offender. Let's reset the culture we carry. Let's be intentional about it. Let's think about it daily, and then let's live it. If you're watching today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus before, you've never been a part of these better cultures, a culture of grace has never been something you could understand I want to invite you into that right now, today, here in this place, wherever you are. All you have to do is just make a decision to say a prayer and take your first steps forward in this journey. If that's you, join me in this prayer right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me for trying to do this on my own. 
Forgive me for all the mistakes I've made, the sins that I have littering my past. I lay them at your feet and ask forgiveness. I believe in you, God, and I give everything that I am to follow you. From this moment forward, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you just made that decision with us today, I'm so honored to have you in this family. Would you do me a favor? Go fill out a Connect card right now, an online Connect card. It's on our website, easy to find, and that way we can help give you your next steps. We want to partner with you in your journey of faith, and so go fill out a Connect card. That Connect card is also a great way just to respond. You can ask for prayer or let us know of needs you have in this season through that Connect card. I would also encourage you to respond during this time by signing up for a life group. They start this week. I can't wait to get life groups started this week. And and I, I just hope that you are in one already. And if you're not, go sign up for one because, man, do we need each other in a time like this. Uh, this is also when we respond through giving. You know, at the gathering, we believe giving is worship. Uh, we believe that giving is not only a way that we as the church can bless our community, but it's also the way that we respond in obedience to God and worship to God by saying that nothing, not even money, takes His position in our hearts. And so if this is your home, we, we invite you to partner with us in giving as well. Well, hey guys, let's pray one more time today as we close out our service. I'm so honored that we had you. Come back next week. We're going to talk about toxic relationships next week. So come on back and we'll see you then. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, that you are the God of redemption, that you are the God of second chances. You are the God of of something bigger and better than anything we ever imagined before. And so God, we just ask that you would help reset these things in our minds and our hearts. Help us to put away the ways of this world, to not conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We ask God that your spirit would make it little, help us make little choices every single day to reset these cultures and just to be more and more your people in this place. We love you, we honor you, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks, have a great week.